May 30, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. Hope everybody had a lovely and memorable Memorial Day. Hope you got a moment to yourself to remember those that uh, that we recognize on Memorial Day. Hope everybody had safe travels if you were traveling. To see our coverage from around the nation on Memorial Day, check out our Flickr page, flickr.com slash veteransaffairs, or our Instagram or Twitter handles at DEPT Vet Affairs. You'll see some coverage there uh, from not only around here, like Arlington Cemetery, but around the nation as some people contributed photos for us. This week, we are continuing the theme of memorializing those that have served and passed. On Monday, we talked to Bryce Carpenter about the Veterans Legacy Program. Today, we're going to talk to Kenneth Holliday, who is an Army veteran who also works in the Veterans Legacy Program. Uh, He is a researcher. He writes a lot of stories on veterans uh, and service members on our blog, blogs.va.gov. He's going to tell us a little bit about his service. He's going to tell us about how he got involved with the Veterans Legacy Program and some of the interesting things he's discovered uh, through his research. Enjoy. I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin Golf. Logistics, Ramstein. Medic, Kandahar. As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Uh, all right, Kenneth Holliday with uh, with the National Cemetery Associ- uh, Association. My goodness. <sighs> Haven't had enough coffee today. Yeah. Kenneth Holliday with the National Cemetery Administration. Um, what is what is your title over there? I'm a learning resource officer for the Veterans Legacy Program. Learning resource officer, huh? Oh, wow. You get the officer title. Yeah, That's cool. Got my commission. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> finally got your commission, huh? <laughs> Um, did your did your ability to navigate go down as soon as you were commissioned? I think or? it might have. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> uh, all right. So we we're here to talk about uh, a little bit about your service, your transition, and then we're going to talk about your your current work over there um, with the Veteran Legacy Program. Um, by ne- at this point, listeners have heard uh, the last episode with Bryce Carpenter and sort of got the groundwork on it. We'll talk more specifically about your contributions and things that you've learned. Uh, before we get there, we're going to start where we start every interview, and that's the decision to join the United States military. It's the one thing that all of us veterans have in common. Uh, bring us back to that decision for you. <laughs> I always think that that's actually one of the hardest questions to answer. So you can ask really any question about about service, and I'll have a story. But why I decided to join is always really hard because I think it was, I think it was a long process that happened over the years without me realizing that I was kind of destined to go on that path. Uh, so, I mean, I was really young when GWAT, the Global War on Terrorism, started. Um, I saw 9/11 at a young age, and I how old were you? I was 13, okay. 12. I don't yeah. remember. I was pretty young. Yeah. So then, uh, but old I, enough to grasp the impact. Yeah, I think, and I think yeah. that was actually probably the when I started grasping like 
the, what what all that was. You know, like I started kind of like getting a perspective of like global everything. Like it wasn't just about me going to school and things like that. But um, I think the big one was when we invaded Iraq. You know, I was in high school at that point, and I kind of like it was an impressionable time for me. I was you know a teenager. I start developing all of these you know, beliefs and morals and, you know, you're taking a lot in when you're that age. And at the time I was seeing this war unfold every day on television, you know? And so when you see that, I don't think that I I realized it, but it it was having a huge impact on developing my character. And, uh, I think that if I had to pick one day when I think I finally realized that I needed to join the military, it was, I came home from school and I remember I turned on the television and at the bottom of the screen was this ticker of, you know, a few killed in action over in Iraq. And I think it, it just really hit me really hard that day. I think at this point I was, I think it was my senior year in high school. So I didn't really know where I was going to go, what I was going to do. But when I saw that, it wasn't just, you know, their names, but then they had the ages next to them. And they were like 19, 20, you know, 22. And something just like really awoken inside me. And I was, I was like, that's, that's not right. Like, who am I? I'm an able body, you know, young adult male, 17. And these guys are over there and they just gave their lives while I'm sitting here watching television completely unaffected for what's going on over there. And I think at that point, all of those years where I had watched it, you know, doesn't matter with the political beliefs of it, but just watching it unfold for years and being, you know, really having an effect on me without knowing it hit me that then. And I think it was like that day or two days later, I was talking to a recruiter and I knew that maybe it was like a call to service. I knew that I had to do it or I would never be comfortable with who I am today. I think it was that exact moment. It was when I began to transition to manhood. I think that's, that's what I always that's what I always say. Isn't I, it? You know, they, they, you know, you always hear the you know people say you know it takes a special kind of person to want to join the military, um, and I think that what you just described, I think, kind of proves that a little bit in the sense that you saw reports on people going to war and dying. And that motivated you to want to join right. the same yeah. organization that they were a part of, right? Like, there's there's really no other, you know, you don't hear about people moving to a neighborhood and dying and then decide, you know what, I'm going to join that neighborhood. I want to be a better resident of that neighborhood, right? You don't do that. Uh, but yet, you know, so many of us saw what was going on overseas and... We heard the reports of, you know, the KIAs and the, you know, the attacks and what happened in Fallujah and stuff like that. And a lot of us were like, yeah, no, it's, I wanna, I'm going to join that organization. I'm going to go do that with them um, and, and possibly follow in their footsteps. And I, th- I th- just, it takes a special kind of person um, or it takes a certain kind of personality, I guess you to say, uh, to decide that that's, that's the career path that they want to go down. Yeah, I, the, the decision was really not... It wasn't a selfish one. It wasn't a personal, like I, did, I wasn't joining the military for something that I was going to gain. I really did it for the people that were already serving. I wanted to be next to them. I didn't think it was fair for them to be there and not me. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was. Sure. Um, what, what branch again? Army. 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 Yeah. Yep. Um, tell me, 
Can you tell me about a close friend or a great leader that you had while you were in the military? It can be either or, same person, doesn't matter, but tell, pick one and tell me about that person. Oh, man. That's tough because I had a lot of great leaders, and I met a lot of great people in my time in the Army. I don't think I could point to one specific person. Um, you know, I had my... I think that if I had to be my best friend who actually I was his leader at one point, he wasn't a leader of mine, but we, um, he came in about a year after me and we did our first, our first mission in Iraq together. We did our last mission in Afghanistan together. And that was, you know, three years of service. And I thought that was really meaningful and we became really, really close friends. And I actually, uh, you know, I lived with him for a few months when I got out of the military. He had gotten out as well. And then uh, I lived, I actually, after two years I had been out, I you know, came back to Virginia and I moved back to Florida kind of to be closer to him because we had such a huge friendship and I want, it, it was it was weird like that. Yeah. So. Uh, First mission in Iraq and last mission in Afghanistan, kind of very, um very cool bookends yeah. to uh, to that part of your your, yeah. your military service. Yeah. Um, what prompted your transition out then? Um, well, I think after my you know my second deployment, I did nine months in Afghanistan. Um, that was a pretty rough deployment, and I think that I was I don't want to say I was burned out, but I realized I wanted to do something different. I've I've always did. I mean, I always enjoyed the military and I actually thought maybe I was going to, you know, do my full 20 years. But after my second deployment in a three year to span, so I spent two years of war and three, two years of war and three years total, I was kind of like I was done. And in my time in Afghanistan, I'd actually started to read a lot. And as I was reading, I kind of was like, I kind of want to go to school. So when I got got back from Afghanistan, I began my transition with the whole goal of going to school. And did you? Yes. Where'd you go? I uh, started here in Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. and then I transferred over to University of Central, Central Florida where I graduated. Okay. Very cool. Um, and how long ago was that? <laughs> I graduated at uh, UCF almost exactly one year ago. Okay. Yeah. And so what, what got you to VA? So... That's that's really interesting how that happened. So um, I studied history at UCF, and one of the main reasons why I think I studied history was I couldn't. I had a difficult time connecting with students my four my entire four years that I was at school. I, it was it was hard for me to really feel like I had anything in common with them, even though they were all pretty much the same age as me. I felt decades older than them with with my experiences, and it was hard for me to kind of really make friends at school. Um, so <laughs> it's going to sound kind of nerdy, but I think it's really cool. So when I was studying history, I started reading about these soldiers, you know, World War One, the Revolutionary War, Civil War, these personal experiences that these soldiers had. And as I was listening to their stories, I realized that I connected with them more than the classmates I was sitting next to. And I felt like if I sat down and just like if I could go back 100 years or 200 years or if I could bring them to my time, we could sit down and we would have so much in common and we would probably be really good friends. So when I discovered that, it was kind of like perfect timing. Uh, the Veterans Legacy Program had just started working with UCF and it kind of just fell into my lap. I was like, this is exactly what I've like 
this is awesome. So as a student, that's how I kind of got introduced to the Veterans Legacy Program. I worked it on the student side. And I went up to my instructor and I told her, hey, this is, this is really important to me. And it's my senior year. It's my last semester. I want to do something like, you know, above and beyond. Can, is there anything that I can do outside of the class to work with this? And I think she was very happy. She's like, yeah, I have a lot for you to do. And I kind of just I worked on it as a student for the better part of you know, almost a year. For nine months, I was probably involved in it. And I just went professional after that. <laughs> went, prof- went pro. Went yeah. pro. Yeah. Decided to, decided to bring, bring it to, started to join the show, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what exactly, so you're here, you're contributing to the Veteran Legacy Program. Um, what ex- uh, refresh the listeners on what exactly the Veteran, Veteran's Legacy Program is. Well, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things. Um, Maybe the, the, the overall mission. So we, the overall mission, the most important part to me is to tell these, the stories of these veterans. Um, you know, we partner with universities, we sponsor research, uh, things like that to do, to do research on these veterans that are buried under national cemeteries. So what, what is your contribution to it then? So I, I really kind of like dive really deep into the material that we get. Um, I work on a lot of different aspects of the program. Uh, I'm still relatively new to it, so the contracting aspect will come eventually. But as of right now, I really manage um, the, the things that are coming out of the research that's being done by the universities. And then I, I make sure that those stories are reaching a, a, a big audience and the public's engaging with them. I'm you know, engaging with social media, engaging with VA's blog, writing about these veterans, doing research about other veterans, you know, uh, going through the list of veterans that we have at cemeteries, finding these these stories, not just the interesting stories, you know, not just the highly decorated soldiers that, you know, people want to hear these heroic acts, but just regular people, people that have only served sometimes three years as a desk clerk, and you know, but they, their story deserves to be told. Yeah. You know, and I think um, what's really important about these people's stories is if you choose to be buried in a national cemetery, that means that your military service was one of the most important things of your life. Even if you've only, even if you only served two or three years, if you decide to be buried at a national cemetery, you know that that's what people are going to remember you for is your military service. So I think it's important to tell, tell that service, but then it's also important to tell what happened. Who were they outside of, outside of that? Because they, sometimes live very long lives and a very short part of that was their military service so it's important but so was the rest of their life yeah i I think that's i think that's super important right to when we tell um you know we 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 want these stories to live on we want these stories to be told and i think it's super important that we not only recall on what their what their military service was whether it was highly decorated or or even pedestrian uh for for what military service is but what they did afterwards. I mean, can you, can you imagine if um, can you imagine if we only told um, Morgan Freeman's 
Air Force service okay. when we were called on him, right? <laughs> like, if we did something on Morgan Freeman and was like, oh, yeah, he served in the Air Force and then called it, like, right. thank you for your service, Morgan Freeman. Right. People, you know, like, we were doing a huge disservice for his contribution to society, yeah. right? Uh, um, I think we all agree that Morgan Freeman narrating our life would be, would be <laughs> wonderful. If we only retold someone's military service and did not include their life and contributions afterwards, we'd be, be doing a huge disservice to their real their overall contribution to mm. uh, to our country. Yeah, it really is. And I, I, I've said it before, and sometimes it sounds a little cliche, and it's probably been said by other people, maybe better than I've ever said it. But you know, when you you look at someone's grave, you know, it'll have you know birthday, death day, and the story is between those two dates. You know, there's some, sometimes there's a long story, and you won't know unless you actually kind of get your hands dirty and do the research, and you know find the right people to talk to and find discover who they are and what they did and it's important yeah so i mean so um and by the way i i i have the same um i, I have the same feeling when we do veteran of the day right like we, we invite people to nominate like oh, i'm not really sure if i'm really i'm not sure if i'm worthy of veteran of the day it's like no no no. this it's not about the best veteran of the day or like yeah. the coolest veteran of the day it's it's about recognizing as many people as we can simply for their service and we always try to include a line or a paragraph in about what they did after their service how do you then so how do you choose then like how how do you uh what is what is the process that you or anybody at the vegan legacy program goes through of identifying oh hey here's a veteran that is worthy of um i, I use the word worthy like like there's a bar but uh here's a veteran we want to tell their story how do you go through that process well as you know as a, as a researcher it's it's not random but it could be for me when i look at who we have when it's just raw data of who we have buried at those cemeteries i can sort through, you know, maybe I want to tell a story about a World War One veteran. And a lot of times you just have to start going down paths because you only have their name. Hey, they were a World War One veteran. And then maybe you'll see like an award. Sometimes it'll have a unit to, or something that kind of intrigues me. Sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to, you know, start doing research and see what this, this, this person's story is. It's not completely random, but I think that there is a lot of, uh, you just kind of just kind of go with your gut feeling like I feel like today I want to I really want to learn who this guy is and I think that's what's that's what's really cool about it too is so as um for example like when I did research on you know a specific veteran I almost did pick it at random I was like okay let's let's tell your story I have a feeling that and and, and how how do you go through that random selection do you just like do you browse through cemetery logs or do you actually walk through the cemetery and be like, I'm going to talk about that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so I think it, a big thing is it's when the schools do their research, they'll pick a cemetery. It's all about local. So, you know, University of Central Florida, they did research Florida National Cemetery, um, things like that. San Francisco did San Francisco National Cemetery, Golden Gate National Cemetery. So it's all about, you know, being local. And then what the schools decide to do is on them. Now, from my, pers like, personally doing my own research, it kind of was just random. Like, so there's like, here's the criteria that I'm looking for. I'm looking for a World War One veteran buried at this cemetery, and I'm gonna choose this guy. You know, like, and 
It's like, tell me your story. I was like, you start talking to them. You're like, tell me your story. <laughs> Show me where to go. You know? Yeah. And is that, is that when they visit you uh, in your sleep and to, and, and guide you through their, their story, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it's, like it's a revelation. Yeah. Um, so what, so what then do you do to tell their story? What mediums are you choosing? How do you do that research? So on this, on the VA side, I'm, I'm using, uh, you know, the VA blog, you know, social media, things of that, um, to make sure that the public is engaging with it and that they can see it. Uh, but it, from a student perspective, they, there's a lot of different ways that they could, they could go about it. We've had schools write, you know, 120 biographies of veterans that are buried at one cemetery another school do many documentary series that, and pushed it onto YouTube about veterans that they did research on. We've had students go out and do uh, oral histories, oral, oral interviews with family members of deceased veterans, things of that nature. So it's really, it, it's really the initiative from the school, what they decide to do. It's their creativity on how to tell these stories. What, so what, what are some of the challenges beyond the fact that the veterans no longer around to tell their story? What, what are some other challenges that, uh, that are faced in doing this research? Well, with any sort of historical research, especially, you know, uh, genealogical research, you're going to run into challenges. Sometimes there's not going to be things that are there. Sometimes you'll go down a path for days and you think you're about to find something good and then there's just nothing there. You can't, sometimes you can't find family members. Uh, sometimes there's just missing information. But that's, that's the creative part about being a researcher is how, how do you fill in that information? You know, if you have this document and this document, you know, as long as you can, you have evidence, you can, you can still tell a story. And sometimes the missing, the missing parts of that are part of the story. You know, why is this information not here? Maybe there's a, there, maybe there's a story as to why this information, we don't have it, you know? Yeah. So all of that's important. Do you, uh, do you have an example or, um, yeah, do you have an example from your own research that you've done where you discovered something about a veteran that was completely unexpected or you had this like cool experience <laughs> of realizing what someone had done or who someone was or anything, anything along those lines? Yeah. So, I mean, this is going back before I worked for NCA as a student working on the veterans legacy program, the veteran that I was researching on ended up discovering that his son so my veteran that was a world war one veteran the guy I was researching on found out his son who had changed his last name was a world war ii veteran and was buried almost next to him at the cemetery no kidding yeah completely different last name close but different and nobody you would have known that unless you had done days of research to discover that yeah that's cool yeah um so what what value um, beyond going through the exercise of doing the research and having the students help with that and having and maintaining these stories, is there is there value to this beyond simply maintaining the stories or telling the stories? If I don't know if that's if I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the right words or the the the, the next level of that question, but um, you know, having all of this data and having all of this um, these stories what what is there more is there anything more to do with it or is there any further value on that absolutely okay especially my question got there yeah, good <laughs> no, I, I get i get what you're saying um so i think and i've seen a lot of a lot of the students that have really worked with the veterans legacy program um it kind of gives a whole new perspective 
of American history. It tells a whole other story and it makes it a lot more like intimate to the student and personal. So no longer, you know, if, if the school decides to, they want to, they only want to do research on World War II veterans or they only want to do research on Vietnam veterans. A lot of these students, they know about the history of the war and how the war unfolded. But when you pick one, one particular veteran and you study their life before, during, and after their military service, it tells a completely different side that you would have never thought of just by studying, you know, that kind of American history. It becomes personal and you realize that almost everybody is just an ordinary person that was put in extraordinary circumstances. And I know that students have experienced that, you know, they've told me and it just, it blows their mind when they discover these, these stories. Have you noticed, um, how do you think humanizing these conflicts through the veteran legacy program? So not just telling the story of the conflict and how each battle unfolded, but the, the persons and the characters that participated in these, in these, uh, in these conflicts, how do you think that is influencing the student's perception on military, on war, um, and on national pride? Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. Uh, when you draw that connection, I think they realize that it's not just something like in a book and it's not, it's not just something they make movies about. It's, it's, it was something that was real. And sometimes it, it kind of makes it feel like it hits closer to home. And I think that students feel like, you know, it's they could they could have been put in the same situation. They could always be put in some kind of that that same situation. As distant as they may feel from all of it, it's really a lot closer than they think. And by humanizing it like that and having them make connections to those personal stories, I think that it's really important. And I think it gives them just completely new perspectives on war and every history, all of it. I mean, so you told the, you give the example of the World War One veteran whose son had a different name. The son, yes. yeah, uh, who had a different name. The World War Two veteran. Have you discovered anything like that, or has has there been an experience inside the program with maybe students where something was discovered that you were able then to go to the family and deliver and be like, hey, I don't, we don't know if you knew this about this family member of yours, but we discovered this and we think we think that your family would appreciate it. Yeah, we we have um, we've had students. That, that have done done things like that they've uh they've gotten in contact with the family and you know then they've they've told stories and they were like wow i didn't know that i there was one student that i remember that was working on one um they found a very distant uh possibly like a very distant cousin to i think it was a world war ii service pilot and they contacted them for information um, just kind of like trying to follow any end that they could. And this distant cousin was like, you know, I don't, I never knew about this, but you're, you're kind of like, you're hitting things around, like things that I know about, there might be something here. And so the family member and the student kind of started discovering this stuff at the same time. And the person had no idea they were even related to him. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Have you, have you ever read the book tribe by Sebastian? Yeager? Actually? Yes. Yes, I have. So as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about Sebastian's, um, you know, how he was talking about, um, you know, how warriors should come back to their, to their community and share their experiences. So that way the, you know, the, the, their culture and their community has a more shared experience on. Do you think this is related to that at all? Do you think that 
as students are learning about what not only the wars themselves but what was experienced by these by each individual do you think it's having a similar impact as someone that comes home and shares their experience i think it i think it is in a, in a way maybe not quite that way but i think that you yeah you're hitting it on the right path here um yeah i think it does and i think that students when they they hear these stories and they, they think about it um it does and I, I know that they've come to me with like different questions so you know when i was a student doing it i sat in these classrooms for a long time and i think people didn't know how to ask me about you know my experiences like they it's not that they were scared but they didn't know what to ask they you know how do you ask a, a iraq and afghanistan veteran about his experiences you don't know what to say right and then um they do this research and they start they kind of hear these experiences of these veterans and now they kind of i think they're more willing to approach modern day veterans and things like that that are living amongst them and they know what questions to ask and i think that they're more willing to go to their parents and their grandparents who may have served and they're like please tell me things because I, I, I know it's this is valuable information now yeah that's very valuable because I've, I've heard I've heard a lot of people say like oh yeah my, my grandpa was in World War II he didn't really talk about it and I didn't really know how to bring it up um, I mean if people are learning how to possibly bring it up as simple as saying hey I did research on a World War II veteran today and he was a part of this battle where you know where were you when that happened mm-hmm. or you know anything like that um, that's great that's it, veteran legacy program building empathy in uh <laughs> in in families and communities i like that yeah um ken is there anything is there any other part of the veteran legacy program that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure the audience is aware of um if there's an educator that's listening that w- it wants to participate how can they possibly that what should they do if they're interested in in uh either contributing or, or having maybe their class or whatever contributes uh, what what should the audience know about that part of it i hope that the the more we do this, more and more people hear about it and we, we start reaching, you know, more audiences. And I hope it really, there's a lot of value here to be had and to be learned. And really, they just need to reach out to NCA and the Veterans Legacy Program at our website and let us know and ask us questions on how they can contribute to this. Perfect. All right, Ken, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. It was a, It was good talking to you. Thank you. VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. Again, if you're interested in the Veterans Legacy Program and you want to check it out, www.cem.va.gov slash legacy or just Google Veterans Legacy Program You'll see the link pop up in the results there. This week's Medal of Honor citation reading is for United States Unknown Soldier, World War I. Citation reads, On Armistice Day, 1921, the Medal of Honor was pinned to the flag-draped coffin of the American Unknown Soldier by President Harding during services at the Arlington National Cemetery. A special bill was passed by Congress permitting the award to no unknown as typifying the gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of life above and beyond the call of duty or our beloved heroes who made the supreme sacrifice in the World War.
Medals of Honor were also awarded by special legislation to the unknown soldiers of Belgium, Great Britain, France, Italy, and Romania. We honor their service. That wraps up episode 106, and that closes out the month of May. We'll be back next week with uh, an interview from Army veteran Jason McCarthy, who just finished leading a 700-participant challenge in Washington, D.C. called the 50-Mile Star Course. I'll let him talk to you more about that. I told you where to find us on social media. Be sure to rate us and review us in your podcatcher of choice, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Radio, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen to us. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. (laughs) 